Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Six of Sense podcast. Sorry for the little vacation, but you know what? I had one with my daughter. We had a great week, and I'm sure Jonathan was busy too. And to kick up, kick back off where we left off, we brought Chris back. Well, actually, Chris demanded to come back because there's some things that he needs to get off his chest, right, Chris? It's correct. Yeah, yeah this well, was more of a less of an invitation and more of a, uh, a he showed up. Yeah. Um, but we're glad, always glad to have Chris back. <laughs> Yeah, always, always. Not, 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 you know, not worried about any criticism at all. No, none. No. All right. Well, yeah, let's jump into it. We got a good amount of stuff to talk to talk about with the 76ers. First off, they're writing their name with Sixers having six centers after signing Philip Petrasev. So now on the roster is Joel Embiid, Paul Reed, Mo Bamba, Trez, Petrasev. And Azulis Tabellis. So we have six centers, guys. What are your thoughts? Chris, why don't you go first? Yeah, well, I think it's important that we all remember that Elton Brand is still technically the GM of this team. He has not been fired. He's still in the same role he was in a couple years ago. He just has someone that he reports to now. So I would not underrate that fact as part of this equation. Uh, We all know what Elton, uh, how he likes to build his rosters. Um, With a lot of big men. Yes. So that's, I, you know, notable. But by uh, like, oh, you know, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. Yeah. Oh, go I, I think there's a pretty reasonable argument for all these guys except one. Like, just circumstantially, you weren't going to let Paul go for a very affordable contract. Mo Bamba is a very reasonable, like, gamble on a minimum. Uh, you know, Petrusev, I, I feel like kind of had to sign him if he wanted to come over or you're just going to have to end up like waiving his rights. So it's better to have him than to not have him in theory. Tubelis is on a two way, like, you know, on the third two way. It doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> um, you know, he's worth a look. You know, he, he was very good at Arkansas or Arizona. Pardon me. Um, not good in summer league, though. Just going to say that. That's true. But, you know. It's fine. They made the move before Summer League. You don't want to overreact to Vegas. I get it. The The only one that really doesn't make any logical sense at all is bringing Montrez back. Uh, you know, it's mildly surprising that Montrez even wanted to come back. I assume, though, the market just wasn't really there for him anywhere else. And, you know, I'm sure Montrez is, like, a great guy to have in the locker room. Seems like a fun guy in general. But he doesn't really fit with this team. He had a little bit too much fun in Kentucky last offseason. Just going to say that. I don't know if I would want him in my locker room too much. Sure. Yeah, I I 
frankly do not remember what you're referring to. But, um, yeah, you know, Montrez is just doesn't really fit the Sixers in any way, shape, or form. Last season made that pretty clear. And if you're going to sign a couple of younger bigs to go behind Paul, there's really no reason to bring him back. Because, like you said, John, they're using a third of their roster space on like centers and not just like guys who could play the four or the five. I don't want to like verge on our next point here, but like all these guys are true seven footers, except for Montrez, who's six foot seven, but plays like a true seven footer. So Paul, okay. Paul's the only maybe exception to that, but he's definitely a five. So yeah, it's kind of a misuse of roster space. I think, um, yeah, I, I think the Herald move is the one that really grinds my gears because there's just no reason for it. But is it, like, that egregious at the end of the day? Probably not, but, like, he's never going to play, hopefully. Knock on wood, but, um, yeah, it's it's too many centers. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. There's really not much I would add there except for the fact that Elton Brand... D- Come on, Daryl Morey's smart enough to not let Elton Brand sign six centers without him, like, really thinking about it. And, you know, that kind of gets us to the last point, but, like, I I think... You know, we've all been in a workspace before. Sometimes you have to throw your coworker a bone, let them feel included. Maybe this is what... That's what Daryl's doing with Elton. He's like, you know... I'll let you control roster spots 10 through 15, and I'll handle 1 through 10. And this is what Elton decided to do with, with, with like, 11 through 15. You know, maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, 11 through 15, add four centers to it. Yeah, that makes so much freaking sense in the world. Man, and, and that's not, the worst part is there's better options in free agency besides Montrez. They could have gone Christian Wood. They yeah, could have yeah, gone Myers yeah. Leonard. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think Christian Wood not being signed anywhere is a bit ridiculous. I, 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 I he's going to go to Miami or L.A. They're, he's just waiting for the Dame thing to be resolved. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be L.A., and he's going to look really good because he's a very good player. It, it's a bit, I think people are being a bit ridiculous. I understand, like, some of the concerns, but... I kind of like him next to Anthony Davis. You know, he can play five, he can play four. It doesn't really matter. I like that. Yeah, he's like a genuinely amazing offensive talent. So, and I think That'll you know, Darvin Ham will get him to play. Sorry, former Sixer here. We're talking about former Sixer, you know, two way uh, G League uh, 87ers at the time, Christian Wood. Yeah, well, I did catch Daryl Moore on uh, 97.5 The Fanatic. He was talking about how Sixers fans have complained for years that Joel doesn't have a backup, and now we have all these centers on the roster and i i got his little joke there but um he was also saying which leads to our second point that these are more flex people chris like you said a lot of these people players mainly were like centers when they've been playing but do you think any of these guys can play more of a stretch four or realistically play side by side with joel yeah i am i mean it's interesting because mo bamba talked about that in like his intro to the six media um, he played next to a couple bigs in Orlando. And, like, theoretically, could you build an effective lineup with Mobamba and Joel Embiid and a bunch of shooting? You know, sure. I, Nick Nurse 
has not been afraid to run multiple banks in Toronto. I definitely think that's like a Nick Nurse thing, too, that we have to take into account. Nick Nurse likes to go big and versatile and long. Like, that's that's another factor here, too. Um, you know, Paul, the same thing. We've talked in the past about Paul maybe playing next to Embiid. I think defensively it makes a lot of sense. Offensively, it's more work in progress with Paul. But, you know, it could theoretically work. I, I think for Montrez, Petru 7 to Ballas, it's just a flat no. But, you know, Bamba can shoot a little bit. Paul Paul can defend out on, on the perimeter a bit. Like, for those two, sure, I, I buy it a little bit. I don't know if that's the best use of resources again. I don't know if I would trust those lineups in the postseason, which is where Philly's ultimate goals are, obviously. But, you know, sure. If if you want to try to tell me right now that Mo Bamba is going to play next to Joel, I you could at least talk me into like trying it for a game or two in the regular season. I'm not at all convinced it would actually go well, but Bamba does have experience in those situations. He played next to AD, which is essentially playing next to another center in LA for the few games that he played there. Like, sure, but. Um, yeah, I, it'll be, maybe this is a Nick Nurse-driven thing, at least. Like, I don't think Montrez is a Nick Nurse kind of player, but maybe, like, Bamba and Paul Reed, that's how he's seeing things, which would be interesting and maybe a little bit worrying, but generally speaking, I don't think any of these guys should really be playing that much next to Joel, so I'm a bit skeptical overall. Like, Yeah, no, like, like Chris said, could Paul Reed defensively? Absolutely. I mean, and here's the thing, Chris. I remember when you were beating the Paul Reed drum when he was playing in, in the Blue Coats, got that uh, rookie of the year and MVP of the regular season. Wasn't he jacking up threes at around like 40% there, Chris? So, so, theoretically, right. so theoretically, if you're still a Paul Reed guy, which I, I believe you are. Oh, 100%. He he should be able to stretch the floor there too. We've already seen like a little mid range game from Paul Reed. So I mean I I'm willing to give I think Paul Reed's the most likely of any of them. And I, I'm yeah. willing to give Obamba a shot. I mean, there have been lineups where it's worked in Orlando in the past. Um and like look, yeah. he's long, he's fast. And offensively it's not a worry for Mo Bamba. He can shoot enough threes to make the defense respectable. Uh, it's just on the other end, can one of him or Joel defend the perimeter? We know Joel can, but that's not the best use of Joel. Uh, can Bamba? I don't know. We'll see. But the thing is, can these guys? Sure. Are the minutes going to be there? Probably not, because you still got PJ and Tobias, who both primarily play the yeah. four. Well, you know, PJ's going to be a clipper in a few weeks, so, like, uh, uh, <laughs> with a grain of sand, but... Um... <laughs> well, Robert Covington back, and he can, or, or Nick Batum, or Marcus Morris, and one of them will be playing the four. Great point, but yeah, I, I mean, look, I, yeah, I, I really liked like the Mobamba pickup at the time. I think he's a really, yeah, yeah like, a good pickup. He's worth it as like your third center, but it really, again, it's like the Montrez thing that just bothers me. I don't know why we're doing it again, but otherwise, like in a vacuum, the other four or five guys I don't really have a problem with. Yeah, Mont- Montrez is a weird one. I think Petrusev is going to play a lot in the G League this year. I think him and obviously yeah. Tubelis is going to be there for obvious reasons, but I think Petrusev is probably going to play a lot in the G League. Yeah, so, I mean, 
we kind of touched on it a little, but if you want to answer the question a little more directly, what what do you think Maurice like goal is here having six centers on the roster? Um, I don't know if there's like a specific strategic goal. At least with Montrez again, I cannot personally like decipher a real goal for having Montrez on the roster other than like everyone likes him and they wanted to bring him back. Um I mean, like, it's, like, very clear that the Sixers are sort of not so subtly punting till next offseason when they have a bunch of cap space. Like, they're not throwing away this season, per se. They're still going to try to win around Joel. I'm sure they're going to try to get a good player back for James eventually. But, like, it's very clear that they're kind of positioning themselves for a year from now when everyone's off the books and they can go out and sign some people. So... I think part of the plan or whatever is just that this year is maybe less important. You know, obviously Joel does need backups, maybe not this many, but like you're going to play it safe with Joel's health at certain points. You get a playable guy in Mo Bamba. You bring Petrusev. Again, I think with Petrusev, it's like he wants to come over. You're either going to bring him over or you're going to have to wave him. So it's, you know, you have him or you don't. So I, or, I think they probably they have their hands tied a little bit with him. But, yeah, again, it's just Montrez who doesn't make sense. And all the other guys make sense, and you can see the logic there. So I, I don't think it's a huge issue. These are all lower end of the rotation guys. They still have enough wings to, like, form a functioning group. In theory, you know, Furkan's a little bit closer to the top of the lineup than I would like him to be now. But, like, what are you going to do? You just didn't sign anyone else because you're trying to clear the books for next summer. So... Um, I, I think that's really the overarching strategy here. Look, I mean, all like Mo Bamba, Montrez, Paul Reed, all these center uh, contracts are tradable. I, I wouldn't be surprised, or even like you know Bamba and Trez, they're they're waivable contracts if you can't trade them. I, you know, and obviously you don't want to. Uh, trade wave players when you're over the tax, but at the same time, beggars can't be choosers, and maybe that's what they just have to do. Um, I mean, look, they like. I'm pretty sure they still have a roster spot too, don't they? Like, they have one more roster spot. Yeah. Yeah. So they they haven't even filled that. Like they can still go sign another perimeter guy in theory. So. Not not um, not. And that makes it even funnier that they already have six centers and they still have a roster spot, but. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think like really next summer is where Maury's head is at at this point. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's just, it feels like he's just trying to keep roster flexibility moving forward. And that, if that means signing a lot of centers, then so be it. And that's what they did. Uh, that brings us to our next point. Uh, it appears in a recent interview, like, um, Jonathan had mentioned earlier, Maury had said that. He's not going to trade James Harden unless he keeps them in contention, whether it's for another star or for pieces to trade for another star. Otherwise, as much as they would like to honor their request by James Harden, they're going to keep him. So it's it's obviously a Ben Simmons move. We saw it two years ago. Is this the right move for Maury to make, Chris? Um, sure, I guess. I think it's extremely annoying, and maybe it's not the best for the locker room to try to pull this two times in three years. Um, 
Well, obviously, like, he could trade him tomorrow, and this is a moot point, but assuming this does move into training camp in the regular season, like, from everything that's been reported so far, James is actually going to show up, unlike Ben, and James will probably not try his hardest, as we've seen James do in training camps past in this situation. So, like, that could get pretty ugly pretty fast. Um... Maury is obviously very willing to get uncomfortable, and he's going to, like you said, or like it's been reported, he's going to try to do what's best for Philly. I think the cap space thing next summer is interesting because um, I don't think the Sixers want to just trade Harden for a bunch of mid-tier long-term contracts that take away all that cap space. So he's going to wait for a specific kind of move, and if they can't get another all-star back or they can't get genuinely good value contracts, I'm going to be interested to see if they actually trade him. But, like, Ben had four years left on his contract. James can leave next summer. So that also changes the the calculus a little bit. So I'm fascinated to see how it'll go. I'm not generally optimistic about anyone giving up a bunch for James Harden at this point. Frankly, I think his value should probably be higher than it seems to be. I think he's, like, better than people are giving him credit for. But... Um, like if the Clippers are haggling over Terrence Mann, then his value is just not very high. Like I enjoyed Terrence Mann a fair bit, but he's like a good bench guy. So I, I don't really think the value for James is very high right now, just from what's been reported. So Morgan hold out all he wants. I, I don't know if James's value is going to increase though, because if he does show up, I'm assuming it's not going to be to play his hardest in, you know, that it'll be interesting. Jonathan? Well, Chris, like you said, he, like, he'll be a free agent next summer. That's the interesting fact, right? Like, he might not if he did hold out because of the new language in the CBA. He, like, hey, he can't sit out. Jonathan, that's actually not new language. That's actually been in there for a while. But continue. So, oh, yeah, yeah, so... No. I think he's going to show up, and he's going to do what he did in Houston, and he's going to sandbag, and that's yeah, but like, that's fine. But that's but that's what I think. Like, I don't think I agree with you where you're saying that his value is not going to go up. I think that's true. Maybe this is his value, and it's not going to go up if he's coming and sandbagging it. But I think it is the right move for Mori to make because I don't think just jumping and making the first deal that comes up or any deals that are out there, even if the market's speaking to Mori saying it's lower than what he thinks, then. He wants to bring him back, and and I don't necessarily know that like Harden would have it out that much to leave that he would just not play well at all. Um, so I, I do I think Maury's making the right choice. Can it be risky? Yeah, and maybe it's not great for the locker room, but for right now, I think we still got some time, couple three months before the season. I don't think he should make any yeah. rash decisions. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing that we have to consider about this, guys, and I've heard ESPN talking heads talk about this. If let's just say, you know, James does come in and sandbag, who's going to line up to give him a max contract? Who's going to line up to give him significant money if he's sandbagged three teams now? Exactly. So he can't do that. It's it, it would yeah. be a very stupid move by James to do that. Yeah, I don't move. know. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that. The whole issue this summer is that there's already nobody lining up to give him a max contract. So, 
I mean, if I don't know, it's a very interesting and unique situation. I I think his relationship with like Joel and those guys is obviously better than Ben's relationship was. Like, I don't think Joel Joel clearly he's already sitting. He like wants James back. Like, he doesn't hate James in the way he not so secretly hated Ben. Like, I I think everyone in that locker room likes James, and he probably likes them too. Um. If I had to guess, James is probably going to get traded, you know, a month or two into the season. Like, he's going to get traded eventually. He'll probably show up to camp. He'll probably be okay, fine. I I don't, I don't know. It's, I agree with you, John, and, like, generally speaking, Maury's right to, like, try to hold out and to gain some leverage back when the Sixers don't have a ton of leverage, like, that was the motive behind the Ben Simmons thing, and they got James Harden out of it. So that was clearly, ultimately, the right move. But I, yeah. I'm not convinced that they're going to get a James Harden type of miracle out of this one. You know, I I think we're heading towards a pretty unremarkable trade return. Or, you know, God forbid, they just don't trade him at all. Because, again, like, like they're trying to get to next summer with $60 million in cap space. That seems to be Maury's goal. So, if you trade him for Nick Batum and Robert Covington, I, I haven't checked all the salaries on, on L.A., yeah. but if you have, like, two, three-year contracts there, Philly might not want that. They might not want to pay Zach Levine $35 million or whatever he's getting paid. Like, those are things they have to consider, too. I mean, I, I would, but, you know. Anyway. I think Zach Levine's awesome. Like he would, he'd be very good in Philly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there are a lot of factors at play here. Well, let, let's just let's just who wins this game of like holdout? Is it going to be like who wins? Who wins this scenario in the end? Is James going to come out on top, or is Maury going to come out on top? Like, is James going to get the situation and the money that he wants, or is Maury going to get the players and or and or you know, draft capital that he wants. Who's more likely to win this? I mean, I I find it very hard to believe that in any outcome here, Philly gets value that we would consider up to par with James Harden. So I I just I I think James wins by default, just because he's on an expiring contract. He like actually does hold the cards, unlike Ben. Um, so yeah, I I assume he gets traded at some point. Worst case scenario, he gets to leave next summer. Like, you know, it seems like James is probably aware of the risk that the Sixers would do this. And so, yeah, I mean, I think just situationally, all the it's kind of stacked towards James at this point. Does he get the contract he wants next summer? We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think the Sixers are really going to, quote unquote, win this situation just because again the the market for james seems to be pretty much non-existent at this point yeah i mean i don't necessarily know that either of them will win but like chris i kind of think harden probably has more of a chance to win quote unquote just because this is such a player driven league he's not like the star talent i guess necessarily when he forces way out of houston um but yeah, like in the end, I don't know that he'll get the money or the years that he wants, but he might. He'll likely probably get more than whatever we were going to offer. Um, but I also think Maury's going to not be rash again. I, I think neither of them are going to get their ideal situation, um, and neither may win per se. But I think that 
in the end, they'll both end up in in like a neutral spot, kind of. I mean, well, 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 I I think it's I think more he's more likely to get a trade that he can stomach versus Harden getting the contract that he wants because clearly Harden wants to get paid the max. He he gave up money last year. He gave up money in years past with Brooklyn and Houston. I don't see anybody paying James Harden a max. I don't even see us playing paying him the max next summer. I think we'll pay him well next summer if we decide to bring him back, but it's not going to be a max number. Maybe in the low 30s or maybe in the high 20s, but I, he's not a max player. I, I think it's more likely Maury can get something that he likes because Maury's really good at trades. So we'll, we'll see what we get. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's like the interesting thing. Is like, I think right now at this very moment, James probably is a max player. Like He's one of the 30 best players in the league still. Dude still had two 40-point games in the conference semis. Like, he was on the like top 10 of most MVP ladders for most of last season. Like James was really, really good last year. And I understand not wanting to pay him a lot of long-term money, and I think the Sixers are smart not to give him, like, a four- or five-year max. But, like, right now, this second, I would say James is still a max player. Like, I and I think the Clippers would be pretty stupid not to give up Terrence Mann and Norman Powell or whatever to get James right now. Like, I think think the Clippers are being a bit ridiculous, like, trying to haggle over Terrence Mann or whatever. Like, so... it's just the players, though, Chris. I think it's the draft capital because I think Maury wants more than just Terrence Mann and Norman Powell and salary filler. Yeah. I think he wants I, at least no, I understand. And I think you know, after giving up all those picks for Paul George, you know, the Clippers and rightfully so are pretty hesitant about giving up any more future assets, especially on a core that still hasn't won a championship. Yeah, no, I I get that, but uh, like. The idea that there's no one trying to trade for James on an expiring contract is weird to me. I think that's a potentially very good value. Like, so it's interesting. Well, uh, the I, only thing that you can really say that's against James is two things. One is his playoff record. I mean, yeah, he won the Sixers two games, but he definitely did not help. He definitely was part of the reason why they lost games six and seven. I mean, he didn't show up. And then the other thing that you have to consider is the fact that he's asked out of now three teams in the past, what, like three years, pretty much? Three, four years? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, look, I'm... So if you think from James, like, are you going to get long-term, st- you know, commitment from him? Doesn't seem like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Sixers are more, like, self-inflicted than Brooklyn or Houston. Like, the Sixers very easily could have gotten long-term commitment out of him if they had paid him. Like, that's the Sixers' fault. They but like, no, 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 no. they didn't tell him what they were going to pay him because they didn't want to get hit with another tampering charge. Yeah, I, like, come and, on, guys. That's we know that's like BS, right? Like they were clearly. I mean, maybe they think were. Think really cared about the tampering charge? I mean, look, we lost picks, and maybe yeah. we can't really we can't really afford to lose any more of the picks that we do have. So, guys, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I, I think this. Sixers very clearly just did not want to pay James. And we're like, hey, James, show us a better offer. Show show us the max offers that you're getting, and then we'll pay. And that wasn't happening. 
And I, I think very clearly that James had some level of expectation after taking a pay cut last year that the Sixers were going to reward him this year and they weren't going to do it. And I think that's like where the disconnect is and why he's upset. And I can understand that. I'd be probably pretty pissed too in his situation, but um, I, I definitely think it's more on Phillies. Like, like, come on, every every free agent deal was negotiated before the official moratorium date. Like, the Sixers were not worried about tampering. James is their own player too, so I don't even know if it like they could have. They were like, I think, allowed to talk to him. So I, it's That's like, next next off season. It was when that new rule is going to get into effect, but not this off season. Uh, being able to talk to a, a current one of your oh, current yeah. players. Well, I mean, yeah. Look, every other player talked to guys before the deadline, though. I I think that's very clearly like the Sixers trying to make a point to James and gain leverage. And I don't know if it backfired or not, or if they wanted this to be how it ended up. But like, I can see where James is coming from. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, you know, I I don't know for sure if that was the best move. But, Chris, let's wrap this up by talking about our last point here. And you kind of mentioned it before. How long does it take for James Harden deal to happen? Yeah. I, I don't think Maury is, like, particularly motivated from everything we've read to make a trade for, for James while his value is this low. So I, I think we're at least going to get a couple months in the season and see how that plays out exactly before – Maybe not a couple months, but maybe like give it at least a month, like just to see how things go. If he is playing, how well is he playing? Like, does him playing for with with the guys for a month change his attitude a bit? Like that kind of thing. It, I, I think it'll take a while, is my guess. Yeah, I still think uh, it'll happen in the off season. I know, I think, as I've said, Daryl's going to be patient, but. I expect it to happen late off season, uh, maybe towards September. But I think going into the season, we will have resolved this, and hopefully, this is better for team chemistry as a whole. I think it happens before the end of the preseason. I think that they'll see his effort in some preseason games. They'll see his effort in training camp, and you really don't want that type of juju entering, you know, especially in such a pivotal year for Joel. Um. You know, first year on the new Max, uh, they have a lot of riding. You know, Jokic just won the, the NBA title. Joel's now expected to do it because he's won an MVP. So there, there's a lot of pressure on Joel. And, and with a new head coach, I don't think you want this juju. Of course, then again, we've seen Daryl Morey not care about chemistry at all. So we'll see what happens. Um, well, great way to lead into Joel, the Sixers MVP. He made some fun comments, not really fun. That was uh, some sarcasm there, but interview with Maverick Carter at a business forum. And he said that he would like to win a title, whether that be in Philly or elsewhere. That obviously didn't rob Sixers fans the right way. He soon after in the afternoon, once that clip came out, said that he was trolling, look at his middle name. Um, But yeah, just initial thoughts to that quote, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I'm not terribly worried about it. You know, like you said, the tweets afterwards. And, like, there was also the report that came out that he, like, everyone in in Philly believes that he wants to finish his career there. Like, I I think it's, you know, we can, like, we can liken it maybe to the Dame situation where I think if Philly doesn't 
actively try to put the best team around him, I could see Joel asking out. But I assume he, like, basic, like on a base level, wants to stay in Philly. Now, if the Sixers are going to basically punt until next season to try to clear cap space, I don't know how well that will go over. Like, if this James thing ends in a less-than-desirable outcome, it, it could go poorly. You know, Philly's in a tough spot right now, and they are going to struggle to build a real contender around Joel these next couple of years. They're They're in a bad spot. But I would assume that he wants to stay in Philly on, like, I would assume that's his preference, at least. That's where my my guess is. But, you know, if Philly can't build a good team around him, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't be the craziest thing to happen, you know, if, if he asked out. I definitely think it's within the realm of possible future outcomes if, if things don't go well here. Uh, yeah, no, it uh, definitely made alarm bells go off in my head because, I mean... Have we heard something similar like this before? Yeah, but we didn't hear it when all the stuff with ben, when, with ben Simmons was going on. We didn't hear it when the Jimmy Butler stuff was going on, but now we're hearing it with the James Harden. And honestly, imagine how we are a fan base, and we're sick and tired of the ineptitude of the front office being able to keep stars happy around Joel. Jimmy wasn't happy. Ben wasn't happy. Now James isn't happy. And they're all for different reasons, and that's fine. But the front office is failing. And, you know, and I mean, guys, even Tobias Harris wasn't happy. And he's not even a star, but like, you know, Rumble Cookie, right? So it, it's putting off alarm bells because honestly, like, I get it. Because, like, if you're second best player, which I think, you know, if Harden, you know, takes like maybe another step back, half step back, and, you know, maybe isn't trying at the beginning of the season, is. Tyrese Maxey, and I love Maxey, but unless he makes a big leap, I mean, we're, we're going to be in trouble if he's our second best player. And so, so yeah, we, it's alarm do you, do you, Yeah, do you guys see the Sixers on the clock? I mean, you're saying maybe not this year. Chris, you mentioned if they punt, it could rub him the wrong way. I mean, are, how long do you think they may have with Embiid on the clock of trying to build around him? And will yeah. Harden's, Harden's trade impact that at all? I, I definitely think Harden's trade has the potential to be very impactful. I, I would say it'll take at least a year. I don't see anything happening this season, but if Philly ends up as the number five seed or whatever, they trade James for parts, and you know you arrive at next summer, the free agent market doesn't look that great. I don't suspect that Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or anyone of that caliber is going to come sign a big contract in Philly. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe crazier things have happened, but I assume that's not what's going to happen. So if Philly is like a five seed, they lose in the first or second round again, and then we arrive at next offseason and they don't look like a real team, I would say that's probably when we get to the like danger zone with Joel. And look, when everyone comes off the book next summer, that's just logically maybe a good time to pivot. With, with all that flexibility. So I, I would say next summer is really where things could get dicey. I, w- I would assume Joel is still a sixer for this upcoming season at least. But, yeah, I think next summer is when things have the, the chance to really go south or sideways. 
Yeah, I think I think it's probably more along the line of two years, but it could it could go bad as next summer. I I think you're right that I think we do have some leeway in terms of um, this year. I think you know I I think we just got to wait and see. You know, new head coach. We know that Tyrese Maxey is going to be featured more. They're revamping the roster a little bit. I don't know if it's better or worse, but we'll see. Uh, more Jaden Springer, so I know that makes Chris happy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we got this season, probably next season, but, you know, at least this season. I, You know, if Joel moves, it, it would not be good. Um, I think that James Harden definitely, definitely makes an impact here. We'll see. Uh, before, Jonathan, before you say that, I was thinking while Chris was talking, I, I thought of a really interesting spot for James Harden. And that's if, you know, like, if their top selection actually is ready to produce at a higher level than anticipated. So just hear me out on this. What if we traded James Harden to the San Antonio Spurs? They have the draft capital. They have the contracts. They have a few young players. Why not the Spurs? James Harden. I don't think they. I don't think they want him. Yeah, I don't think the Spurs are giving him anything. I mean, probably not, but I like the fit with him and Wemben Yama. I'm just. I, I like. Yeah, that. but he like he wouldn't resign there, so it'd be a rental. They'd try to pay rental price, and I don't think Philly would take it. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see, but it, it would. I don't know. I think it's a good basketball fit. I think you know because they were talking about Dame and and you know Victor. I. I I, I think a lot of people are a good basketball fit with Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It's I, a good basketball I, fit if James is like eager and and in, you know committed and involved. And but is he going to be that in San Antonio? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, and well, it, you know, before we close out on Embiid, um, do you think he's going to win the title in his career, whether it's here or elsewhere? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Um, you know, I, I, I hope so. I hope he wins one here. That's like, obviously the dream it's, it's, it's getting a bit bleak at the current moment. It's kind of hard to like see, see through the, see, uh, you know, see the other side, but, um, you know, he's a really brilliant, amazing player. It feels like he's going to have his moment at some point, like it, it has to happen. It almost feels like he's just never been able to put together like a healthy postseason. At some point, he's gonna have to. Like I, you know, I think last this 
this past postseason definitely put some of his flaws on on full display and he has a lot of work to do and he has to prove that he can actually like deliver when he is healthy in the playoffs eventually but I certainly think it's possible I still think he's good enough to lead a championship team um I you know Maury is definitely a very smart and capable GM and if anyone's gonna ruffle feathers like this and pull a rabbit out of the hat at the very end it's probably Daryl Maury but it's tough. I I definitely think you could make a case that his best odds would maybe be somewhere else if if he could find a trade to a, to another team with with a couple stars. So you know that that's like sucks to say, and I hope that's not where this ends up going. But um, Sixers are definitely kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with this James thing right now. Well, let me just ask you guys this. Has uh, Sixers star ever finished their career, like, had played their whole career in Philly? Maybe Maurice Cheeks, right? Like, that's the only one. But, and, and Maurice won a title. But, like, was he the best player on that, those teams? No. Um, Charles Barkley didn't stay. AI didn't stay. You know, Andre, didn't, Andre Iguodala didn't stay. Drew Holiday clearly did not stay. I would love for Joel to stay. I, I could he win a title here? Yes. I, I but I, I think whether it's here or somewhere else, he cannot be the primary offensive option. I, I think for you know, in order to help preserve Joel for the postseason, you need to have a guy that can score as much, if not more, and you know, Joel needs to be more of a 25-point-per-night type guy instead of a 33-point-per-night type guy. You know what I mean? Just take that offensive burden off of him. He's won his MVP. He doesn't need to be the scoring leader anymore. Let him f- focus more on a two-man game and not, you know, wear himself out during the regular season. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think there's, like, a way for Joel to still be the guy. I think he has to play differently and adjust his approach. I don't think he has to, like... Move completely off the ball or anything, but no, 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 no. Um, yeah, you know, it's. I don't really like talking about Jarrell playing for like the Knicks or whatever. Like that doesn't make me happy. I hope that's not what happens. But we're definitely getting into like the danger zone here. You know, if things don't go Philly's way, and right now the odds are very much stacked against them. We could get to the point where Joel, as much as he loves Philly, I'm sure, and has been committed to the Sixers, where he's like, okay, I've put up with a lot so far, and here we are, and we don't have a team. Like, it's time for me to ask out. So, we'll see. It's getting it's getting a little bit sticky. And I, I hope they come out on the other side of this with Joel and with a good team and, like, a competent co-star. But it could get dicey here. We'll see. All right. So on that note, the real reason why Chris is here is because I, since Chris is the Sixer, since uh, I have re-picked up these player rankings at each position. By the way, I'm the one that started it, but because I started, you know, my new job last year, Chris took it over for me, and he did a fantastic job. Kudos to you, Chris. But since Chris has left, I have taken it back over during the summer. And uh, Chris is pretty much here to complain about my list. I have got yeah. point yeah. guard, 
small uh, shooting guard and small forward. I'm working on power forward right now. Do we want it? Do you guys want me to leak the power forward rankings on this this podcast, or do do we want to keep that a surprise? I can probably get. Let's that. save that one. Let's save that. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll do point guard through small forward. So the the real the 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 primary one that Chris had a problem with is point guard. So. We'll start on there. Well, I mean, I have admittedly not even seen shooting guard and small forward. I'm sure I have just as many problems. Um, <laughs> trying to guess. Now, let me appreciate just, the honesty. I appreciate the honesty. These uh, starting positions were best, uh, you know, more or less just a best guess based off of offseason moves, player development, that type of stuff. Um, some of the information has changed since then. For example, it's been uh, revealed that Dev, uh, Bradley Beal, not Devin Booker, will be the starting point guard for the yeah. Suns. So that yeah. changes that a little bit. Only a little bit, though. But That's fine. Yeah, Devin Booker's going to handle the ball plenty. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, on that note, I'm going to start, go by five at a time. So 30th, we have Colin Sexton. 29th, Javon Carter for mm-hmm. the Bulls. 20. Eighth, Trey Jones of the Spurs. 27th, Kyle Lowry of the Heat until, you know, Damian Lillard is traded there, of course, then that's his. Um, Dennis Schroeder for the Raptors. Sure. So we good with that first five? Yeah, so just to be clear, we're only doing starters. We're not like... Yeah, just start. Okay, yeah, sure. That's a fine, fine list. Here's where yep. your problems start, bro. What are you even talking about with this next one? Did you not watch the playoffs? Okay. What are you doing? Okay, so 25. Bro, I, what? Can, can, I, can I go through the list first before and explain myself before uh-huh. I start giving criticism, okay? Uh-huh. Five, Derek White. <laughs> 24, Mike Conley. 23, Tyus Jones. 22, Markel Fultz. 21, Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, I know Chris's problem is with Derek White, but Derek White was not the point guard for the Boston Derek Celtics. White was literally like the second best player in the Celtics in the playoffs. The what se- are we talking about? No, he's the third best player. And okay, still. He's a shooting guard. He's not a point guard. Now because of the trade and the Malcolm Brogdon stuff, like he's gonna be he's gonna be a point guard. And dude, he averaged like three assists a game last year. He's uh, not averaged more than four assists. Okay, we're talking about like one of the five best perimeter defenders in the league. I, I don't care about that. The job is point Sorry. guard. You run an offense. You run an offense. That makes a difference. Your ability to run an offense impacts your rankings on the point guard list. Yeah, okay? but if you're going to tell me 25. that Derek White is going to impact winning less next season than Spencer Dinwiddie and Mike Conley, be my guest. I think you are going to be wildly incorrect. I think that's just inc- like insane. <laughs> okay. Agree. I agree. Besides Derek White, is the rest of that group okay? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think Tyus should probably be higher, but it's fine. I mean, he hasn't been a full-time starter for a full year. That was my only hook, you know, hang-up on that one. Like, sure. Manu Ginobili was like a backup for many of his years and way better than most starting shooting guards. Uh, okay, 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 okay. It's fine. All right. Next five. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. Really? Sorry. DJ McCollum, Cade Cunningham, and Russell Westbrook. Kudos for Westbrook making a climb on this list because he was pretty low last year. Uh, yeah, he's way too high. I'm sorry. Wow. What are you talking about? 
16? Do you think Russ is going to be better than Kate Cunningham next year? I think that he really showed off in the playoffs. And I think once he was great, but like he also played the entire regular season at the level that he did. And well, no, he's about to be James Harden's backup, anyways. Like, he's gonna be better than Cade Cunningham next year. I, I, I mean, we don't know what's gonna happen with Cade because we don't know if that jumper's there. I mean, Russ at least brings it now. Russ is a two player, that's right. Russ's jumper is definitely there, though. So, no, it's not, Um, but at least we know that he plays defense now. Cade has never played defense, so Russ, Russ has been a terrible regular season defender for years now. He's picked it up since he joined the Lakers, and then he's played great. I, I, I love his I, I love his fit with the Clippers. Very good in that series that the Clippers lost. But Cade is bigger. He's going to be a better defender. I'm just straight up going to say that. Like He's going to be a much better defender than Russ. He's he hasn't been yet. Just taller. He hasn't been, been yet. Hurt. What are you talking about? He has been a he was a better defender than Russ when he was on the floor. Russ has been a terrible defender the last few years. And I, I, why is CJ McCollum at eighteen? Why is he below Russ? What? I, and why? I, I'm sorry. Why is D'Angelo Russell twentieth? Why is he in the top twenty five? <laughs> Not better than anyone you've named so far. D'Lo should be like thirty. Wow. What yeah. we saw the. We want to talk about playoff performances. You watched D'Lo in the playoffs. He he was bad in the last. Be starting year. over Gabe Vincent? Probably not. Like you know, that that I actually did. I did have to think about that for a second. But I think he begins the season as a starter. Now does he finish? Well, he I does. don't. Know. And he should also begin the season at number thirty on the list. But that's fine. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Anyway, next. you want to put him at twenty nine. You want to put Westbrook yeah. at thirty. That's fine. But. <laughs> Justin, um, do you have anything to say about this? No, honestly, this is better when it's just Chris. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Next five. Next five. Lamelo Ball, Trey Young, James Harden, Darius Garland, Devin Booker. Devin Booker is like the 11th best player in the NBA. So I, <laughs> I think that's wild. He's never, but... played, he's never been a full-time point guard. Running it uh, So what? Right, I'm just going to back Lucas. I had to back Lucas on this about? one because his point was he'd never played it before. Like when we were talking last week off air, I get your point, Chris. Yes, he's probably a top 10, Devin top Booker 11 player in the, the league. But if, if he was if a, he was shooting guard list, he'd be number one. A, not on a, the a, a, a. We know that Devin Booker is a very competent like setup man. He's a good passer. He has made a ton of shots. Like, just because he's been playing next to Chris Paul doesn't mean that he hasn't had plenty of opportunities to run point, to lead the offense, to initiate actions. He's done a lot of that. And even if he's, like, a below-average table setter or whatever, he's still going to be one of the best scorers on the planet. Like, like I, it doesn't even matter if he's, like, a quote-unquote mediocre point guard. He's going to be better than all these guys. Like, why is he at number 11? I, I'm already, it makes no sense. I'm sorry. So, so anyway, it would be Bradley beyond this list with the new information, but I probably still have him at 11, possibly even 12. Actually, if you have Bradley Beal over Trey Young in Lamella Ball and James Harden. Nah, uh, I disagree. I, I, Darius Garland. I, yeah, no, Beal should not be 11. Actually, no, Beal would probably be 16. Looking at it now, okay. yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. That being said, mm -hmm. um, besides Devin Booker, do you like the rest of this group? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's. I yeah. do. I do. Yes. All right. Next group. 10, Drew Holiday, 9, Jalen Brunson, 8, De'Aaron Fox, 7, Jamal Murray, 6, Tyrese uh, Halliburton. Uh, yeah, Brunson's too high, but I... I think I Brunson should be below Holiday. I think Brunson should be below everyone on the previous slide. Except maybe LaMelo. I, I I don't know. I, I really like Brunson. I, I love him. He's great. I, I love Jalen Brunson, but I think he's a bit hot here. Uh, I think we're like beating the Knicks drum a little much. I I don't think I am, but okay. Says the guy who, who beats the drum for the Thunder, which who guess by the way, their guy's gonna be next on this list. Okay, so number five, John. Uh -huh. Number four, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Number three, Dame. Number two, Luca. Number one, Steph. Yeah, that's all fine with me. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah. Cool, cool. Thanks <laughs> for not tearing apart the, the the top of my list. I appreciate it. Only the middle part. Cool. Yeah, I could I could be talking to Halliburton being over Jaw, but I mean I could too. But I just the start. Yeah, you're nitpicking at that point. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Now on to the shooting guards. Oh boy. Now I'm I guessed with this 30th one because I'm not sure who the Orlando Magic's gonna start, but I'm gonna go with the veteran here and say Gary Harris. Yeah. Sure. 29 Quinn Grimes of the Knicks, 28th Terry Rozier of the Hornets. Mm -hmm. I was very tempted to put Terry Rozier 30th, but he is a 20 point per game scorer, so yeah, inefficient, but still uh Grayson Allen at 27, Kevin Herter at 26. Uh, I haven't seen 25 in up, so I, that seems a little low to for Kevin Herter for me. But uh, Grayson Allen is not better than any of the other guys you mentioned. I would put him at 30, very comfortable. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, we'll see. I would probably put Grimes over Rogier, but at, like, who cares? No one cares about that, so that's fine. But, yeah, only one I was thinking was Herder would be a little higher as well. Yeah, well, I think Herder is probably too low, if I had to guess. And yeah. I think Allen should be 30. By the shooting, the shooting guard position is stacked this year. Like, this was probably. Yeah, I can tell you that Herder, now that I'm looking at it, is way better than number 25. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well, well, we'll go into it. 25. And Chris, I know you love him. Benedict Matherin. I do like, 20, I love Ben. Like, but come on. Uh, 24, Jaden Ivey, 23, Herb Jones. Though I will say, Herb Jones, if he doesn't get his three-point shot, could very easily lose his spot to Dre Murphy the third because I really like Trey Murphy. 22, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 21, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, um, uh, Herder should be above all those guys. Um, I think Jaden Ivey has a chance to rise very quickly. Oh. I'm not even convinced... Matherin's going to start over Buddy Heald yet, but that's fine. Maybe he should. I'm projecting. I'm projecting on that one. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, yeah. If we want to project on, on Matherin, that's fine. I think Ivy will probably end up higher than this, but that's like a fine ranking for now. Yeah, it's an yeah. off-season ranking, off-season ranking. Yeah, absolutely. Ivy, yeah. I agree. I'm high on Ivy as well. Herder should be above all those guys. Like, Herder was really good for a number three seed last year. Like, 
Yeah, I co-sign that. Okay, yeah, okay. Very important part of that very good offense. Like, I, I think Herder should be higher. I, I, I felt like he was a little hot-cold sometimes, but okay, fair enough. Okay, but Matherin shot, like, 39%, and I'm bu- I'm you have Jordan Poole at 20. Like, <laughs> come on. Okay, fair fair enough. Okay, yeah, Jordan Poole's 20. Anthony Simons of the Blazers is 20, uh, 19. Man, the Blazers were hard to try to figure out their depth. I'll be honest. I just kind of guessed on them so far. Um, Austin Reeves at 18. I think he could rise. Uh, Jalen Green. I think he could drop, honestly. Uh, 17. And Devin Vassell. Yeah, I mean, if this is like a true offseason rating and we're not projecting forward, I think Jalen's too high. Um, Really? I think think Jordan Poole is also too high. Like, he was not good last year. Okay. Okay. pretty bad. So... Uh, yeah, I dropped Cool and, and Jalen a few spots. I'm I'm projecting a little bit with those two. You know, we'll see. But I I'm interested th- to see what happens with Jalen this year because, like, obviously Fred is going to be the starting point guard, and I I think I think yeah, Mint's going to be better than him sooner than later. So I'll be interested to see what what Houston does when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say because you have Dylan Brooks uh, as your small forward, you have, and then you have you know. Um, then you have Fred Van Vliet as your starting point guard. So do you start Thompson, who who showed a lot of promise in summer league, or do you start Jalen Green? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, Thompson, we could go on a whole tangent about the draft. Thompson, yeah, okay. Thompson was great. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Miller going number two was like all time, not all time bad, but pretty bad move by Charlotte. I mean, That's Brandon Miller has time. Another day. He has time to turn it around, but he's on my next list. So not even based on like summer league, like. I had Miller at, like, seven, and I thought Thompson was pretty clearly better than him, but that's fine. Um, okay. So Yeah, if you have Brandon Miller above these guys, I'm going to disagree with that. Um, uh, Brandon, Brandon Miller's on the next, uh, on the small forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's right, okay. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion that Vassell is too low, but that's okay. I mean, we'll I, I was kind of torn on him. Fine. I was torn, but, you know, I, I okay, so 15 Can is... Can I ask, why is this next guy on the shooting guard list? Tyler Hero? Number 15. Oh, uh, Lou Dort? Because he's a shooting guard. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Giddy I six. think Chris knows his team. I mean, look, I... Yeah, I would I, qualify I, Giddy as the I, shooting I, guard. Maybe, like... I actually have him on my power forward list. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, if you want to get, like, weird about defensive positions, maybe... Yeah, look, I think he's not really guarding power forwards. I mean, look, yes, he is. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. I was about to. You're not going to have Jay Will or Lou Dort guard power forwards, right? And I'm projecting Chet to be. I'm projecting. I'm I'm projecting Chet to be the center. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think. uh, Sure. I mean, you could have the other Jay start at center and Chet at power forward, but then I I really don't want to take Lou Dort out of the starting five. That's that's that that was my thought process about behind the thunder. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I have Lou Dort at fifteen. I got Tyler Hero at fourteen. I got OG Ananobi at thirteen. I got Tyrese at uh, twelve, and Dejounte Murray at eleven. Um, 
Sure. OG, I, I know why he's here, because the Raptors have built a very strange team. It's just kind of jarring to see OG with all these guys. I mean, look, I agree, but, like, he's going to start a small, uh, I mean, a shooting guard next year, unless uh, it's a trade. Well, here, point next eight. trade Pasca- Pascal for a point. Nine is back. Anthony Simons is way too low. Lou Dort is way too high. Devin Vassell should be above well, hold on, everyone hold on, hold on, hold on, on this slide. Lou Dort, Lou Dort, the Dorcher Chamber is too high. Yes. Player, the Dorcher Chamber is not too high. I think, I think the Dorcher Chamber is a little high. Um, I, I, I think Vassell should be above everyone on this list except for DeJounte. Uh, like, he should be 12. You think he's better at – you think Devin Vassell right now is better than Tyrese Maxey? Yeah, I'm like, narrowly. Blasphemy. You play defense. Tyrese has gotten better on defense. Sure, but he's like 6'2", and Vassell is not. Oh, I am so yeah, I, I I think the torture chamber is a little a little high. I, I think Simon's at 19, now that I'm thinking about it, is pretty ridiculous. I, I would have him I, over I, I, Hero. I would have him at least in the Ananobi Maxi tier. I, I I think he's really bad on defense, and I think he's more... Sure, bad. but you have Tyler Hero at 14. I think he's yeah. better than Hero on defense, at least. Like I don't know. Man. It's, it's a tough... Even if he's not, if... Yeah, I don't know. He's at least, a, like, a better athlete and has the chance to get better, and I know this is an offseason rating. I think Simons is better offensively than Hero, too. Like, I mean, the, like these guys are tiers. Like, DeJounte is in a tier of his own compared to the rest of the guys in this group. Sure. Yeah. Like, the but, rest of these guys are pretty close to the guys in the group before. I think Simons is a tier above Lou Dort. Like, I just like Lou Dort being a two-way player that can now... He's not. He's, like, not much of an offensive player. He's a one-way player, just goes the other way. Like, he was solid on outside shooting this past year. He he had a couple of like hot games, including that that one late in the year. But he he's not what I would call an offensive player. Well, uh, okay. Well, anyway, let, let's let's keep on. Let's keep. I, on. I love OKC, but let's like I'm pretty sure Lou shot like 38 percent from the field and was maybe not the best in certain respects. Offense. Okay, so. 10, Clay Thompson. 9, Desmond Bain. 8, Zach Levine. 7, Mikel Bridges, though I think he could rise higher. Uh, 6 is Bradley Beal. Switch out Beal for uh, Booker, and I, I would put Booker number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I would put Booker number one on this list. Uh, yeah, see. I'm good with that. How you do say that and then put him at 11 on point guards, I don't understand. I think Beal is lower than... Beal should be like 12. But other than that, I think maybe Clay should be a little bit lower too, just based on what we saw last year. I understand he's like kind of earned benefit of the doubt, but at some point that's going to run out. I I think Bain and Bridges and Levine are all better than Bradley Beal. Okay, okay. Last group here: Edwards number five, Kyrie number four, Paul George number three, Donovan Mitchell number two, and Jalen Brown number one. Yeah. Um, Jalen Brown number one is crazy, man. I again, we we're gonna mention playoff performances. We all saw that game seven. Uh, yeah, Jalen Brown is not better than Donovan Mitchell, straight up. 
I think they're a two-way player. Okay. Donovan Donovan should be playing point guard. He's 6-1. When the offensive gap is that big, the two-way player thing loses, like, I don't think the gap is as big as you're making. It. I think I think Jalen is nowhere near Donovan Mitchell yet. Jalen is like bigger. You're right, but he's not like a world changing defender. And he got exposed offensively on multiple occasions in the postseason. Like I I think he's still very good. Mitchell's team didn't even get out of the first round. All NBA player, I get it. Team didn't get out of the first round. That was like not even Donovan's fault though. So I I, I will think say it's that hard, I will like, have Jalen. At the very least, below Donovan and Paul George. I would probably have uh, yeah. over Kyrie, and I'd be very compelled to put Ant over Jalen. And especially if we're going to project forward, which I know we're not, then I'd definitely have Ant over Jalen. Ant could be number one on this list next offseason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I think Jalen Brown probably is too high. Uh, like, if we're not projecting, I just think this past year, I don't think he's the best. Dude had eight turnovers in game seven. He can't dribble. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I I think I think Jalen is a very very flawed star. Still, I think he's like still top 30, 35 player. But I'd put him a couple spots lower. I uh, okay. Well, I I I disagree. But anyway, so next list, small forward. We're uh, we're finishing up, guys. Oh boy, number thirty. Zaire Williams for the Memphis Grizzlies. 29, uh, Appian. Timeout, timeout. Yeah. Zaire Williams is not going to be the starting small forward for the Grizzlies. Then who, who is? And if you say Marcus Smart, I'm going to laugh. I don't know, but Smart is probably going to start before Zaire Williams. Uh, well, of course Smart is going to Smart. Smart can guard threes. Like, that's not something to be concerned about. I don't see why uh, he couldn't start. I, I don't know. I, I think Smart... You put him at two, and you call Bain the small forward, and you're fine. Bain, they're all under 6'5". Bain, sure, Bain and Marcus Smart are two of the strongest people you've ever seen. They're both uh, pretty David, long. Like, uh, it's 2023. We can think outside the box. I, uh, I think I, you're fine. I, I Especially with Jared Jackson and, like, Steven Adams or whoever you want up front. Like that they is have, the thing. They do have a big back. They line. have the size. They have the rim protection. Like they'll I, be fine. I don't know. I don't think Desmond Bain is getting picked on. Like I, I, dude, I'll, neither is Smart. Obviously, I, I'll say this: Zaire's Williams did until he got injured last year. He was the uh, replacement st- smarter uh, starter at the small forward spot. So keep that in mind. That's all I'm going to say. Then you got 29, Denny Aviad of the Wizard. Uh, 28 is uh, short uh, Thompson, though I think he could climb very easily on this. Josh Green of the Mavericks is 27. Brandon Miller of the Hornets is 26. And I'm just going to say that he had a bad summer league. He still has all the tools to be a really good 3 and D player. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, Sar is going to be better than Brandon Miller. Um, I believe that deep in my soul. He um, could be. He could be, but I'm... Not could be. I think he already is, and he will continue to get better. Mm. I get, like... I know everyone had Brandon Miller at number two, or, like, Charlotte did at least, and everyone kind of penciled him in there, but I think Asar was the better prospect by a decent margin. Um, Everything else fine with that, though? But you think that even with 
like the competition he was playing last year? Yeah, I had a I had him in and a star at three and four behind Scoot. Like, and I I I frankly like summer league. I think bared that out. You don't want to take too much away from summer league, but those guys clearly were not like struggling with the higher level of competition in summer league. Now maybe the NBA is is way different, but it's also way different from college. So there are a lot of good prospects. You know, Dominic Barlow from the Spurs looked like a player too. He came from from overtime. So I I think Asar is going to be very good. Like a, he's going to defend better than Brandon Miller. He's a very very smart player. The jumpers are questioned, but he's one of the best athletes in the league. I I think he's going to be better. I think the potential there is for him to be a really good two-way player. We'll see. Um anything else wrong uh, that you found wrong with that besides the well, yeah, you've already okay. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like Josh Green. I, I really like Denny too. I could see both those guys being higher depending on who's next. But I, I think for the most part, it's I'd probably flip Miller and Asar and be done with it. All right, next, Bruce Brown. Chivo. He's okay. Anyway, He's too, um, yes. Dorian Finney-Smith of the Nets, Max Struess of the Cavs, Shaden Sharp of the Trailblazers, and Jaden McDaniels of the Timberwolves. Did you uh, say Shaden Sharp is too high? No, no, I said Max Struess is too high. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is way too low. You should know better, Lucas. You're Bruce McDaniels. Brown is too low. Bruce Brown's too low. Bruce Brown's better than all those guys except for Jaden. Okay. I think Shaden has the chance to be much better. He's, you know, it's a bit of a more long-term timeline with him, but yeah, I don't think Max Struess is better than Bruce Brown. I would have trouble convincing myself of that being a possibility. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think Bruce Brown, I mean, I get that he can guard a position up, but he, he is kind of small for the position. I, I thought of that when I was thinking about Bruce Brown. And he only had one good year of shooting outside. I got to be a little bit more consistency. I don't know, man. The, the too small thing. He's like 6'5", and he's long. That's four, fine. Four. He's, he's, anyway. He's um, been guarding threes and fours his whole career. Like, I don't, I don't think it's an issue. All right. So, next group. We got Dylan Brooks, Keegan Murray, DeAndre Hunter, Tobias Harris, and Jay uh, Will of the Thunder. I think Keegan yeah. Murray's too well. I think Keegan uh, and Jay will have the chance to jump higher, but I think that for an off-season rankings, they're right where they need to be. I think I would put Jaden McDaniels and Bruce Brown above all those guys. Wow. Especially McDaniels. Like, I think you're way, way low on McDaniels. That dude's uh, already an all-world defender, and, like, the offense is – is picking up pretty quickly. Like I, 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 look, he could he could climb on this. I I could be proven wrong and he'd be a top ten. I don't even think he needs to climb though. I think right now he's better than all those guys. Okay. Well, uh, the guys in the group. Are you okay with that 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 listing? Uh, in like a vacuum, just those five. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Next group: Scotty Barnes of the Raptors, R.J. Barrett of the Knicks. Michael Porter Jr. of the Nuggets, Kel- K- 
Keldon Johnson of the Spurs and Franz Wagner of the Magic. Uh, yeah, um, I literally might just say McDaniels is better than all those guys, too. Um, uh, sit for maybe Franz. I think Keldon's too high. I definitely don't think he's better than Michael Porter. RJ is way, way, way high. RJ was very bad last year. RJ should not be in the top 20. Hmm. RJ yeah, I think Michael Porter should be a little higher. I would have RJ at like 26. Wow. I would have RJ below Asar. I think Asar is going to be better than RJ Barrett next season, if I had to guess. Wow, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I think RJ's way, way high. Um, I would have McDaniels at like 12. And I would put Porter, or maybe 13, and put Porter at 12. And I think Keldon maybe should drop a few spots. Yeah, I, I I would put Bruce Brown over Keldon too. I'd have like Franz, Porter, McDaniel's, and then Scotty, and then maybe Keldon. I just I love Keldon play, but that's just me. All right, all right. Next tier we got Lowry Marketing. Then mm. yeah, he's going to be playing small forward with John. Collins. No, no, yeah, no, that's not the problem. Okay, so we got Larry Marketing 10, we got Andrew Wiggins 9, we got Chris Middleton 8, DeMar DeRozan 7, and Kawhi Leonard 6. All right, Chris, go ahead, give it to me, because I know you got a lot to say. I can, I can feel it. Um, Larry 7. Then I think Lowry's better then than Andrew Lowry Wiggins. at 7, then DeMar, then Chris, then Andrew. I think Lowry's better than those guys, yes. I, Especially for, like, as of this offseason, based on last season, Lowry is, I mean, is better than those guys. Well, my, my, my issue is he played power forward primarily last season, and he's switching back to a small forward. <sighs> I, I mean, he spent, I don't know about, I mean, he spent plenty of time with, other, with, with a couple other bigs, and he played small forward in Cleveland. So yeah. I, I do not think he's going to, like, drop off a cliff next year as the full-time. I, I don't think he is either. He's still a top-ten power uh, small forward. I just don't think he's number seven. Uh, I mean, I, I think he was clearly better than DeMar last year, and I don't think the position semantics really changes that for me. Well, all right. Well, let's see if this last list changes for you at all. So. Uh, Five, we have Brandon Ingram, number four, Jimmy Butler, number three, LeBron James, number two, Kevin Durant, and number one, Jason Tatum. Yeah, Brandon Ingram's not better than Kawhi. Uh, okay, my answer to that is that Kawhi can never stay healthy. If Kawhi could stay healthy, he'd probably be number four. In the okay, well, I'll say this. Brandon Ingram's not better than Lowry either. I disagree there. Strong. Uh, yeah, I disagree too, Chris. I, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> with yourself? With yes. Um, but that's fine. Those guys, you know, I would say those are verging on the same tier. It could go either way. You, yeah, Kawhi, that's what it is. Uh, Jimmy at four, LeBron at three, Drana at two, Tatum at one. I'm fine with. That's okay. Yeah, no, I, I thought so. Sure. All right. All right. Well, I I I survived Chris's shellacking. I feel good about myself. Jonathan, how about you play us out, bud? You know, I really want Chris to. This is your this is your turn to bring back the glory. 
As always, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible. Or you can find us at our website, thesixersense.com. We are also on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. And until next time, everyone, uh, go Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Go Sixers. Go Sixers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.